welcome to Minute 2 of the Great Escape Minute, the daily podcast where we dig into the Great Escape one minute at a time. I'm Rob. I'm Tom. This week, we, we don't have any guests, so it's just the two of us to be able to talk about uh, the, the first uh, few minutes of this movie. Minute 2, the, it continues with the, the, the credits of the movie. So it starts off with a music credit for Elmer Bernstein. And uh, it takes us all the way to the credit for John Sturgis, who uh, both produced and directed this movie. So uh, what, do, what did you think about this uh, this minute, Tom? You know, we get more of this opening shot where we kind of continue the caravan. And we get basically the rest of the credits for the film, which is still, to me, kind of crazy how few credits there are. Because I'm so used to modern movies where you'll get five plus minutes of credits that just are scrolling at a ridiculous rate that you're not even going to be able to read them but like i said yesterday that this opening is fantastic and there's a couple of people here that we see in the credits i'd like to talk about right i mean we, we what, might as well try try to go a little bit in order yeah uh, we might as well start start with uh, elmer bernstein yes he is uh he is number two on AFI's top 100 greatest American film scores. So when I was looking at him, he's got, on that list, he's got two entries. He is second only to John Williams. Neither of those entries are this movie, but just the fact, you know, that just shows how great of a music director he is. And he did the music for Magnificent Seven, True Grit, the original with John Wayne. Kill a Mockingbird. He did the Ghostbusters music, which I hadn't thought about. Was, did, was that was was that one of the two that made the list? No, the <laughs> two that made the list. Well, I mean, Ghostbusters probably should have, but Magnificent Seven and To Kill a Mockingbird, I believe, are the two to make the list. And then he also did. Ten Commandments and the old Disney Black Cauldron movie were some of the highlights I saw of his. Yeah, I mean, uh, on IMDb, he has 144 credits uh, for for movies. I mean, that, that's just that's just amazing, especially given the fact that he died at 82, but he still just did a lot, a lot of opposing work over the years for, for for movies. And you know, as you mentioned, he's just done so many iconic uh, scores over the years. There's there's no question about that. I mean, he did the Ten Commandments, which I, I, th- I think I recall him him actually saying that that was one of his favorite scores that that he worked on. Hmm. Um, I could I could I could be wrong about that. I, I think I, I recall hearing that. Yeah, there's something about about if I remember correctly. It has to do with uh, you know he enjoyed working with uh, Cecil B. DeMille so much that for him it was it was just amazing to to work with with someone who who was able to give him so much free reign in the way that he wanted to score things yeah and i believe some uh, of those more epic films just give you know some of the behind the scenes people including you know the music director just so much free reign and the ability to just play and see what they want to do and what works and also use a wide range of musical styles and different themes in the music. And I am not a music person, so if any of you all are and are yelling at me because I'm using the wrong terms, I'm sorry. But when it comes to music, it will continue to happen. We are actually going to have a guest later on who's going to be discussing all the musical aspects of the film. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. That's we got a long way till we, till we get there. And, you know, the goal is to get there, obviously. One of the things that uh, we, we wanted to discuss that, that we uh, didn't discuss yesterday the fact that for anyone who, who doesn't know what a movie by minute podcast is, 
It's it's actually something that was started uh, a while back, I think about a decade ago, by uh, Adam and Brad of uh, Gutterballs, who did uh, Gutterballs TV. They're they're the the first uh, podcasters to actually analyze a movie one minute at a time, and then uh, came along uh, Pete and Alex of uh, the Star Wars Minute. So anyone who's uh, familiar with with their work know who they are, and they're they're the ones who. Uh, made it into a, a daily format and also uh, were able to, to to make this into what it is. I mean, right now, I think as of today, there are over 180 different uh, podcasts that uh, analyze movies uh, minute by minute. I can I can speak for Tom here, and uh, we're, we're both glad to, to, to be a part of this uh, community. I mean, the people in the, in the community have been so helpful in, in helping us get uh, started here. Some, some of the people in, in the community will, will be joining us as guests over the next uh, few weeks and months. So obviously we, we want to thank all, all of those people, especially Adam, Brad, Pete and Alex for, for getting this, this started and uh, getting, getting us interested in this, this type of uh, format. Yes. It, without those guys, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure at some point it would have happened, but I don't know if it would have had the success it's had or the following it's gotten without, you know, those guys starting off with, Especially Pete and Alex was such a major film franchise that they clearly love. Yeah, and they're, they're still going, and they're still going strong after uh, uh, what is it, eight, nine seasons, something like that. So, yeah, I think they're uh, maybe the last more. Jedi right now. <laughs> yeah, right now they're in the last Jedi. So uh, that that's uh, it's a lot of fun listening to that every day, also. Uh, but we should be talking about our movie. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Not theirs, but uh, even though we like their movie, I, I actually love their movies. But uh, yes. So uh, after Elmer Bernstein, we have uh, the the director of photography, uh, Daniel Fapp, uh, Daniel L. Fapp, excuse me, um, who also had such a storied career. I mean, he was a cinematographer on 79 movies uh, in his career. Um, and besides The Great Escape, he was also he also did uh, West Side Story. He also did uh, a few other John Sturges movies, uh, Ice Station Zebra, Marooned. He did uh, Our Man Flint. He actually uh, uh, was nominated for, for seven Oscars over his career, and he, he won for uh, his work as cinematographer in West Side, on West Side Story uh, just two years before this movie came out. So, again, uh, the, the production of this movie, they, they just really were able to get some, some stellar people both in front and behind the cameras doing, doing some amazing work here. Did, did you have anything to say about, about him? Um, not about him, but I did look at Ferris Webster, okay, um, who did the editing, and he's got 78 editing credits. Now, wow. most of these I haven't seen, um, considering he, I would say well over half of these movies are pre-1960, you know, but he did the original Manchurian Candidate, which... You know, is considered one of the best films. And so, you know, just more people that, like, oh, okay, we're just going to get everyone who seems to have been anybody at in 1963 to get on board and make this movie. And it's just something that, I mean, maybe could happen now. I guess the closest thing we have is some of the Marvel Avengers movies where you get anybody who's anybody to make a film but even it just doesn't have the same gravitas i feel like some of these movies do i don't know what your thoughts on that rob are 
Right. Well, well, first of all, with the whole idea with the, the MCU, it's a little different because the MCU, the, the idea is, is getting different directors to give us their their perspectives on the various characters and stuff like that. It's not it's not like here where it's all, all of these uh, talented people are working on the exact same film. One of the interesting things looking at his, his filmography is that uh, uh, pretty much through the last uh, decade and a half of, of his work, just about every one of his movies was a Clint Eastwood movie. Um, you got you got Honky Tonk Man, Firefox, Any Which Way You Can, Bronco Billy, Escape from Alcatraz, Every Which Way But Loose, The Gauntlet, The Enforcer, Outlaw Josie Wales, The Iger Sang- Sanction, Thunderbolt and, and Lightfoot, Magnum Force. It, it just it just seems as if he, you know it seems as if he became really good friends with uh, Clint Eastwood and took on all of his movies at the end, which you know it, I guess it paid off. Yeah. Uh, he he was uh, nominated three times for Oscars in his career. One, as you mentioned earlier, was for this film, also for uh, Manchurian Candidate and for The Blackboard Jungle, Sydney, Sydney Portier in 1955. So, I mean, that that's just someone who really has a lot of credits under his belt. I mean, in The Blackboard Jungle, I mentioned Sydney Portier, but it was also it was, it was mostly Glenn Ford. I mean, uh, that uh, that's a movie that, that, that I've always enjoyed. If anyone hasn't seen that one, you should take a look at it also. Uh, I don't think I've seen that one. It's it's basically about a teacher who in, in an inner school uh, uh, high school and how he deals with the, with his students and how he deals with it's the way teachers deal with with their students back then. Which, uh, ironically, even after seventy years or close to seventy years, uh, not much has really changed. <laughs> yeah, I'll check that out. Yeah. Um, okay. So uh, as as we're continuing through through the. Um, uh, credits here, so we, we deal with the fact that uh, this is based on a book by uh, Paul Brickhill. Now, uh, Paul Brickhill was actually one of the the POWs who was in this real camp. As as we've we've mentioned before, and most people probably already know, this this is actually based on a true story. A lot of the people who who were part of the true story or who were relatives of the true story are, are I wouldn't necessarily say that they're the happiest. Uh, about the way that this movie was made, because uh, you know, from their perspective, they should have made the, the story about the real people and not uh, fictionalize uh, a lot of the characters and change things around uh, uh, for for uh, you know to g- get more people to come into the box office. Um, at some point in the future, we're, we're uh, on, on we're going to have a week where we're going to actually talk with uh, some people who who will tell us about the real story of this movie and uh, the differences between. The, the film and reality, uh, but Paul Brickell in 1950, uh, uh, he, he actually wasn't. He was part of the early stage of, of the escape, but but he was actually transferred to another prison before the the escape actually happened. So he he wasn't part of the escape itself, but he knew uh, just about everybody who who was uh, who took part in in the escape. So he he wrote a book about it and. Uh, uh, for many years, he was, uh, there were a number of people that were trying to get his his book uh, made into a movie, and uh, they eventually uh, were able to do so. And besides, besides, uh, and so the the screenplay was was actually written by uh, James Clavell and uh, W. Arnett. So they they took the ideas from the book by Brickell and uh, translated it into something uh, that would be uh, really exciting to see on the screen. Again. I'm not not saying that the, the real story wouldn't wouldn't have been exciting to see on the screen. I guess once once it got into the hands of of these these two uh, great screenwriters, you know they they uh, Hollywoodized 
the the story. I know years ago I and I actually read his book for I think I was in middle school at the time. And at the time I remember being disappointed in the book because of how much I loved the movie and the fact that the book was not so different, but it just you know, it's a true to life story. It doesn't have all of the, oh, we can expedite this scene so that things flow faster and are more exciting. But I reread it a couple of years ago as an adult, and I found, oh, wow, this is fascinating. Because of, you know, basically for the same reasons I found it so boring when I was a kid, that, oh, this is an awful lot of work and planning, and it's almost more interesting than the movie because you get some of that, well, this took months and months and months to do, versus, yeah, it all happened over the course of, you know, what appears to be weeks in the movie. Yeah, the, the, this movie tr- uh, truncates the, the, the story a lot. There's no question about that. I mean, we'll, we'll be discussing that in the future. Also, the fact that, that also the, the date of, of the escape is very different. Also, the date of the escape actually was, was uh, in March. Uh, and if I remember correctly, it actually was on Steve McQueen's birthday. 14th birthday, I think it was? Yes, because it was 1944, and he was born in 1930. So, yes, it was it was on March 24th, 1944, was when the, the real breakout was. But uh, the movie, for uh, theatrical reasons or whatever, decided to, to do it in the summer, you know, uh, which is one of the reasons why we're, we're now doing this, uh, you know, in the summer, because it's connected to when the, the movie at least depicts the, the breakout took place. The... In fact, the movie came out on the 4th of July, it seemed fitting. We get start this right about that same time, obviously, with the way the Correct. calendars work. We weren't going to push it off another year. But. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Okay, and uh, so then the final credit in this minute is the credit for the producer and director, John Sturgis, who also... As we've mentioned with so many other other the cast of uh, the crew members, he just had a storied career. Also, I mean, he he had as a director, he directed forty three movies over the course of his career. In my opinion, this is his best film. He he was nominated for an Oscar uh, in uh, nineteen fifty five for his work on the Bad Dad Black Rock, which which was also a great movie. But I still think this one's better. That was a movie with Spencer Tracy. It was also a, a it was it was a post war film about. Uh, a one-armed man who comes to a town and uh, you don't really know what he wants and what he's looking for. So I th- he did a great job with that with that movie too, and I, I can understand why he would have been uh, nominated for an Oscar for it. But as we mentioned earlier, he also did uh, The Magnificent Seven. He did Dice Station Zebra, Marooned. He has a few movies that he did with uh, John Wayne. He also, his final, final film credit was in 1976 when he uh, directed The Eagle Has Landed, uh, which uh, is, again, another World War II movie when you have uh, Michael Caine, Donald Sutherland, Robert Duvall, Donald Pleasance was there again. But yeah, he 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 had a great career. I, and you know anyone who's seen this movie knows that that he did a great job putting this all together because it's it's such an enjoyable and such a fun movie to watch even after nearly sixty years. Yes, he did very well. Yeah. Fantastic job here. Um, there is one other person that we kind of skipped over. I'd like to at least mention uh, Paul Pollard. He was in charge of the special effects for this movie, and he's another one. This is actually one of his earliest movies. He did a couple of TV series, and then this was his fourth feature film. Um, 
But along with this one, he did the special effects for the Manchurian Candidate, again, the original. Um, he did the special effects for Outlaw Josie Wales. Uh, he's got 23 credits, so not necessarily the same iconography that some of the other members did. But I thought the special effects in this movie are fantastic, and he did a wonderful job here. I just wanted to yeah. give him a shout-out as well. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Uh, I, I mean, you said everything that, that can be said that, that needs to be said. Uh, so you got anything else for this minute? I do not. All right. So uh, anyone who wants to get in touch with us, uh, you can uh, rate, review, and subscribe. We have a Facebook group, The Cooler. Our website is the, com. You can contact us on Twitter at uh, GreatEscapeMXM. And uh, our email address is TheGreatMinute at gmail.com. Uh, so we look forward to uh, having you uh, join us tomorrow on The Great Escape Minute by Minute. Uh, tally-ho. Tally-ho.